God, that your goodness is what leads to repentance. We thank you, God, that you were so good to us outside of ourselves, God, that Jesus laid his life down for us because of your goodness, because of your mercy, because of your grace. God, we're just so grateful. We're so thankful on tonight. God, thank you for bringing us together once again to fellowship. Thank you for bringing us together, God, so we can be on one accord, God, doing what your word requires us to do, God. Not being obligated, God, but knowing that this is your word, God, and we want to do things according to you and your way of doing. So, God, we're grateful and we're thankful, God. Thank you for giving us teachable spirits on tonight. Thank you for our helper and our teacher, which is the Holy Spirit. And, Father, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all almost had a test tonight. But I said I'll wait the next week. Nobody's going to say thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. (laughs) he's been so good to you (laughs) Um, I'm going to go back over it normally I do go over it twice so I did think of that but some of you already got it amen but it's good to go over it uh, again and again so we'll make sure that all of us are on one accord I appreciate what God is doing in this house because Everything that he's doing is teaching us how to be disciples. It's teaching us how to be followers of Jesus Christ. And it's teaching us how to do it his way and not man's way. Everything that we do is um, being done the way he wants us to do it and not the way we think it needs to be done. I think um, sometimes, um, the majority of the times, we go on what people say because we trust those people. You know, growing up, we would listen to older people and Whatever they said, we would grab hold of those sayings and we would run with them and we would make it uh, truth. And sometimes the things that they say were not truth. It was just a saying that they had uh, come up with and we grabbed hold to that saying, but we could never find it in the Bible. That's why we need to search the scriptures for ourselves to see what the word of God has to say. Because when you trust people so much, you say, they, they're not going to lie to me. They're going to tell me the truth. But we need to find out what the word of God is saying and what's actually written and get revelation from the word and not just going into um, the house of God, we as a church. Um, we listen to the pastors. We listen to other people. But we're going on what they're saying because we trust them and we feel like they will not lead us astray. But we know that man will fail us. And sometime if we don't have that revelation the way God wants us to have it, we'll pull a scripture. Some of us and we'll go on what's written, but we don't have no revelation behind it. Why Paul said what he said or why Peter said what he said or why Jesus said what he said. That's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit to give us that illumination. And sometimes we get enlightenment and we feel like it's the Holy Spirit, but sometimes it might be us because we feel like, oh, that fits, so I'm going to use that. But we want to make sure that we have understanding Um, We want to make sure we have that knowledge of the word of God. And the only one that can give us that is the Holy Spirit. And I pray that as I'm teaching you guys, um, I always ask the Lord, Lord, I don't want to give them anything just to say I gave it to them. I want to make sure that this is what you're saying and it's in alignment with what the word of God is saying. And this this is why it takes so much time 
studying the word of God and meditating on the word of God because you got to go back and you got to say okay Lord this is where this one said this but this is saying something else so Lord how do you want me to use this or how do you want me to apply it so my heart is to make sure each and every individual receive truth I want y'all to be sanctified in truth and he said because the word is true so that's where my heart is and if it's anything that you do not understand and if I can help you with it, I will help you with it according to what the Holy Spirit gives me. Sometimes we have people that they're so, um, I'm just going to say religious. They're so much into the law that they try to um, give you things based on law, based on what you have to do or do this, do that. But we know that God, he's such a gracious God. Jesus, he fulfilled everything that we could not fulfill. But he do not want his people led astray due to false doctrine and false teaching. So don't grab on to everything that you hear. I don't care who it is. Go back and search it out for yourself because people are all over the internet. They're all over the television. They're everywhere. And some of them say they're preaching Christ, but yet they don't know him. And I know y'all heard of um, a person that's out there now and people are followers of this person. They're saying Jesus is king. And they're using that and they're not backing things up with scripture. God is not going to send a male or a female out there without being taught, without being up under teaching. He, he makes disciples of men. You just don't hear something and then go out and have followers. And the reason why I believe they have followers is because they look at them as being a celebrity. And some people grab the songs that they're doing and they sound good. They feel good to you. So you taking them and telling everybody to listen. We don't do that. This is why you're getting taught to know the truth so you can let people know what the truth is because anybody can say that Jesus is Lord. He said, everybody that say, Lord, Lord, don't know me. So you have to know these false teachers and this false doctrine. You have to be able to know it. And the Holy Spirit, he will help you to know. Because I'm going to tell you something. Someone that's truly teaching and preaching the word of God, the Bible said the world will hate them. They will hate them. They don't want nothing to do with them. If you got somebody that's truly preaching the word of God and you come in on the world, they ain't going to applaud you like that. They're not going to give you all those cheers and all those applause. They don't even want you in the midst of them because truth is being revealed. Truth is being told and they don't want darkness, the light to compel the darkness. So anybody that's still getting all of this everywhere they go and it's the world in it, there should be change when the good news come. You should come from darkness into the light to another kingdom. So let's make sure that we're getting what we're supposed to be getting. And one thing I'm going to say, do not sit here on Tuesday nights and waste your time and waste my time when you know you're not going home and doing what you need to do with this word because we're in a time now that people need truth they need the word of God if you're coming out to get it you need to open up the bible for yourself and say lord the very things that apostle has given me help me to get understanding for myself go back over these scriptures matter of fact read the word just take the, open the Bible and read the word and you're going to come up upon some of these scriptures that you're getting. You're going to say, oh, that's what she was saying. But if you never open the Bible, how can you tell somebody something that Jesus is saying when you're never in it? So we need to be in it. Amen. Last week we talked about the followers of Jesus Christ and we said that the followers of Jesus Christ, they were disciples. 
and we determined through the word that Jesus had a lot of disciples. It wasn't just 12 of them. It was a lot of followers and learners of Jesus Christ. And that was determined in Luke 6, verse 12 through 13. It says, now in those days it occurred that he went up into a mountain to pray and spent the whole night in prayer to God. And it, when it was, wait a minute, I'm going to back up because I'm getting to the apostles. Um, but I'm going to go back to Mark too. And when it was day, he summons his disciples and selected from them 12 whom he named the apostles, special messengers. So we see he had a lot of disciples. And amongst all of those disciples, he selected 12 of them to be special messengers, to be apostles. So the scripture says here it was more than 12. So we know that those, these apostles were the apostles of the Lamb. These were the ones that was going to lay the foundation that had been with Jesus from the beginning and had witnessed him going up to be with the Father. So they were with him from the beginning to the end. They were eyewitnesses to the things that he done. So we have to understand that, first of all, we have to become disciples. It's a lot of people out there that's getting titles but have not been discipled. People are giving them license to do several things, but they have not been disciples. They haven't made any disciples, but they're ready to go out and pastor. They're ready to evangelize. They're ready to be a prophet. They're ready to be teachers. They're ready to be apostles, but they don't know nothing about being a disciple. So these um, men and women, they followed Jesus through his whole time of being here on earth. But Jesus had to choose 12 of them and how he did it. Jesus went in the mountain, he got time by himself, and he began to pray unto the Father, and him and the Father was in agreement, because Jesus said he don't do anything outside of the Father. Whatever he see the Father do, that's what he's going to do. So when the Father um, told him these are the twelve, they were in agreement, Jesus came down, he selected the ones that need to be selected to be the twelve apostles. This is how it needs to be in the church. We just don't, people just don't come up and say, okay, I know the word. I need to be a pastor. No, it don't work like that because God is going to be the one that choose whomever he want to put into the body of Christ to carry whatever duties or whatever giftings that he want them to have. Yes, he will let me know, but he's going to let you know as well. We're going to be in agreement because God's going to have me watching your fruit. He's going to have me to look at the things that you do even before um, you say, I'm a pastor. God's going to let me see your heart. He's going to let me see how you deal with people. A pastor is a, pa a person that loves his sheep. And we're going to talk about that as well because they use those names interchangeably. You have pastor, you have elder, you have overseer, you have bishop, you have... Um, I'm going to get to the presiding elders, all that, and I'm going to let you know where all that come from because people use those terms in ministries. They use those terms in church, and we need to understand where they come from and why they use those terms. So we discussed before that a pastor is a bishop. A bishop is an overseer. They call them bishops and pastors and shepherds, and they call them elders, but it's the same term. So when you see all that in the Bible, people just don't pull out bishop to make that man the top dog and then saying, okay, now he has 
um, elders up under him. He have pastors up under No, that's not how God intended for it to be. So we're going to go over that as well. But we was talking about the followers. First, you have to be a follower. One that's taught of Jesus Christ. And we see in Acts 1, we see that um, Judas Iscariot, we know what he did. He portrayed it who? He portrayed it Jesus. So they had to put someone in his place. And we see in Acts chapter 1 where they had to um, find um, someone to replace him. And the one that they found had to be um, the, the one that was with them the whole time. They were eyewitness from Jesus from the beginning until the end. So that's in Acts chapter 1. And we know who they chose um, in Acts chapter 1 to follow them. So now they were 12 again. But those 12 were told... Um, once they selected those 12 to go into the upper room, right? And they, he, Jesus says, stay in that upper room until you undo with power from on high. Jesus knew that they could not go out and lay this foundation without being endued with power from on high. And once they got that power from on high, they have the gifts of what? The spirit, Right. They have the nine gifts of the spirit so they can be witnesses to what Jesus done because they're going to know that they have been with Jesus. So we, we know that part, Acts chapter 2. It shows how they were waiting on one accord and suddenly we know what happened. They were endued with power from on high. They began to speak in other tongues and other nations was in there hearing them speak to them in, in, in their native tongue. So that's when Peter, he became what? Bold. And as Peter began to preach to them, he began to talk about the death um, the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel, the good news concerning Jesus, concerning the kingdom. Through Peter preaching, look what happened. There were 3,000 souls that joined with the apostles. So he laid down, Peter, that foundation. He was the apostle. He laid it down. Other people um, believe it was 3,000 souls, but guess what had happened with those 3,000 souls? They didn't just let them go. See, this is the problem. When people accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we just let them go. We don't let them go like that. We make sure that they have a place that they can go into where they can be taught, where they can be followers and learners of Jesus Christ. So if someone come up here and you minister salvation unto them, you have to ask them, okay, are you a part of a, of a local um, assembly? Are you a part of a local um, church? If they say no, you can let them know, you know, this is what we do here because they need to be somewhere where they can be taught. But what's happening is most of the time when people are talking to ministering salvation to people, what they're doing is trying to join them unto them. They want them to follow them and they can keep a hold of them because they want to be exalted. That's not how it's supposed to work. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, after that um, they um, accepted salvation, they were baptized. We know that they were water baptized. Then, you know, they were speaking in tongues. What happened? They were joining with the apostles. They were up under their doctrine, up under their teaching. Why? They had to be taught, y'all. 
So when you minister in salvation, people still have to be taught. They have to know the way of God, God's way of doing things. They have to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we have to let them know all of these things will be added unto you. So this is why disciples go out and they disciple and they um, get other disciples. And that's how they got 3,000. All of them were there. So they were being taught the same thing. They were all followers of whom? Of Jesus Christ. So we have to understand too that when God does stuff, he does it so well. He don't leave nothing um, toe up from the floor. He makes sure everybody's getting the same thing. And I love how those apostles did what they did. They followed Jesus' way of doing. They did what Jesus told them to do through that what? Great commission. He told them that I want you to teach them. I want you to make disciples. This is our great commission too. He's telling us to make disciples, teach them to observe everything that I have taught you. So everything that Jesus taught them, guess what? They had to teach others. I I mentioned this last Tuesday. Some of us are stingy when it comes to the word of God. Some of us give it out to whom we want to give it out to. It is not your word. It is his word. So whatever you're being taught, it is up to you to go give it to someone else that need the word of God because you need the word of God. The word of God quickens. The word of God brings life. How can we sit on something that brings life when people are in a dying world and they could die without hearing this good news? Why would we want to do somebody like that? If you got a cure for a disease, you got the cure in your hand. And somebody is dying and you're going to let them die because you're too lazy to go out and minister that cure. I don't have time. This is how it is with the word. The word is the cure to everything that ails us. It is the cure to eternal life. It is the cure to getting the salvation that was already provided. It is the cure for healing. It is the cure for your joy, your peace, your love. Everything we need comes from the word. How can we hold on to this word, which is medicine that the people need that's in the world, but we sit on it because we feel like we're the only ones that's in need. The day that we got born again and we began to get taught of who we are, who we belong to, don't you want somebody else to know you don't have to live the life that you're living because God made a way for you? It don't matter how young they are because you got babies now, two years old, got good sense. They know what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. They know how to tell you, hush. And I'm going to give you an example, and I'm going to prove how they're coming out now. Y'all, they're coming out. They're coming out bolsterous. They're coming out just telling you their names and everything. Don't touch me. My little granddaughter, Jada, she's different from Jayana. I love them both, love them the same, but I got to fight her, y'all. And this little girl here, she, I, I told y'all how she did my neck, put her little arms around my neck, and I'm like, oh, she loves me. And then she grabbed my neck with her nails, and I grabbed her arm. I said, go ahead on. The harder you squeeze, the harder I'm going to squeeze because I'm going to break you. So she squares me, and when I squares her, she loosed me. She let me go. So after everything was over, I'm going to tell you how you try them. I said, Jada, are you going to tell me that you're sorry? She said, I'm sorry, me, Ma. I said, okay, Jada, you're sorry. But why are you sorry? She said, because I scratch your neck. Two years old. You telling me we can't teach her the way to Jesus Christ? When she knowing what she did wrong. 
Come on, how soon can a child tell you, I scratch your neck? I'm sorry, because I scratch your neck. They know what they're doing. So what am I saying, y'all? We don't leave them to themselves. We don't just beat a child just to beat them. We're going to tell them, this is why I'm going to beat you. This is why I'm going to tear your behind up. Do you understand why, why I'm, I'm going to beat you? So when it comes to the word of God, we don't want anybody lost, y'all. This is why you up in here getting trained, because you're going to go out there amongst the lost, and you're going to tell them what you have learned, and you're going to say, God, open up my heart to the lost even the more, because I was lost, but God, I was found. Somebody had to minister this unto me. So this is why we're in here getting trained so we'll know the order of the church. We'll know how God set up things in the church. So when we're amongst people, we can say, wait a minute, that's not right. That's not the way God is set things up. That's not the way that God does things. So we see here that the apostles begin to lay that foundation. They begin to make followers. They were doing exactly like the word says. Do you see why they had so many followers? Because they followed the word. They did what the word said. And the thing is, when we do first what the word of God tell us to do, to go out and preach, proclaim, to go out and teach, make disciples. Guess what? The signs and the wonders, they're going to follow that. But you got to go out. Some of us want to go out and we want to operate in the signs and wonders first. But when we do things now, it could be vice versa sometime, but we want to take the word wherever we go. And when we take the word wherever we go, those signs are going to follow the word because God is going to demonstrate himself. When you go to the mall and he tell you to go up to a person, you may start out telling them a little something, something that happened. But then all of a sudden salvation is going to come in there one way or another. You're going to minister to them and let them know about the goodness of Jesus and what he done for you. And, and why he done what he done for you. You left that with them. You um, plant somebody water who's going to get an increase. But somebody got the plan, right? So we started there with the followers, um, the learners of Jesus Christ. So tonight what I want to do is, first of all, we're making what? Disciples, right? We're making followers of Jesus Christ. We're telling them um, what we have learned um, through being a follower of Jesus Christ. The next thing that God had laid on my heart is to talk about when we look into um, the church, we have elders, and we want to talk about how these elders come about, came about. And the reason why we want to talk about this is because you hear so much about the elders. So we want to go back over uh, uh, concerning the elders. And I want to start with why would they appoint elders in the church? There's a reason why they appointed elders in the church. They need someone to lead the people. They need someone that they can um, lead the people that God has given authority to to be over the people. And it's going to be people up under those elders. But I want to go back to the Old Testament where it originated from dealing with the elders. We're going to work our way from the old and go to the new. So let's look in Numbers 27, verse 15 through 23. I'm going to start there. With what Moses was talking to the Lord about. Numbers 27, 15 through 23. Moses said to the Lord, The Lord is the God of the spirits of all people, all flesh. May he choose a leader for these people. Appoint someone over the community, assembly, congregation, who will go in and out before them. 
He must lead them out like sheep and bring them in. The Lord's people community assembly congregation must not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, because my spirit is in him. Put, lay your hand on him and have him stand before Elzar, the priest, and all the people, the community, assembly, and congregation. Then give him his orders as they watch before their eyes. Let him share your honor so that all the Israelites will obey and will listen to him. He must stand before Elzar, the priest, and Elzar would get advice from the Lord by using the Urim. At his command, all the Israelites will go out and at his command they all will all come in. Moses did what the Lord told him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Elzar the priest and all the people and he put his hands on him and gave him orders just as the Lord had told him. Why am I starting there? Because what Moses was asking the Lord, he said, we need someone to lead these people. We need someone that will um, lead these people so they won't wander like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord was telling Moses, this is what you need to do. But understand, God did not allow any and everybody to lead his people. He knew Joshua. He told Moses, this is what I want you to do with Joshua. Who chose Joshua? God chose him and he told Moses to put Joshua in place and he told Moses, he said, when you put him in place, this is what I need for you to do so the people will obey him and listen to him. God put Joshua in place, but Moses was the one that had to lay hands on him. Moses was over Joshua. When Moses left, Joshua would be the one that's over the people. But God ain't going to leave Joshua by himself. He's going to put somebody up under Joshua. Y'all got to understand what God is doing. So this was what Moses said in Numbers 27. He said, okay, we need somebody to lead these people. He chose Joshua. God chose Joshua. Who was with Moses about all the time? Was Joshua not trained? Yes, he was because he followed Moses. He watched Moses. Remember when the people were out doing their own thing? Where was Joshua? Up there with Moses, right? So he said, I hear a noise in the camp. So Joshua was already being trained by Moses. This is my problem. You got people setting people up in the church as pastors, putting them in position. They don't want to show up for Bible study, don't want to show up for church, don't want to show up for nothing. But when they want to be seen, they want to sing on the choir. They want to come in and out when they please. Do we see this today? We see the people putting people in places based on their status, based on their voice, based on what they can do, but they have not been taught. They don't stay in church long enough to be taught. They show up when they want to show up. They hit and miss, but they want to be a part of something. So when they see somebody else come in and um, they're put in place, they're mad. Well, why you put them in before you put me? Because God told me to. See, God will let you know where people need to be based on their ability. And I'm going to give you an example. I used Sister Denise because when I first met Sister Denise, the only way I knew her was through God. I knew her heart because God was showing me her heart. So every time God would tell me to do something, I would do it because I knew that was God speaking unto me. But Sister Denise didn't see herself the way God saw her. And sometimes people, when they come into um, the church, people have to prove themselves 
when it come to other people because other people is wondering, I've been in here five years, you just got in here and been in here three months and here you are in a position. How in the world are you getting in a position ahead of me? Because that was God's way of doing things. God knew she will humble herself long enough to sit and be trained to hear what God has to say and follow his way of doing things. God would take a person and he would train them and prepare them from where he's taking them. Her first training session, was it in the kitchen, Sister Nick? Wow. She went in the kitchen up under Kim. She didn't fuss. She didn't complain because she was in the kitchen. Some people that think that they got a title evangelist, pastor, apostle, how dare you put me in the kitchen? I know what the word says. Go in the kitchen. That's what I'm saying. Why? Because God is doing a work. He's raising that person up to be home. He want them to be. If we take our mind off of status, if we take our mind off of who we say we are and put our mind on who God say we are and get into the position that God would have us to be in, we will see ourselves grow the more from glory to glory to glory. But some of us get so big headed that we think we're better than anybody else. So God used Sister Denise in the kitchen and as God had me watching her in that kitchen, every time God told me to move, I moved. Because I had to be obedient unto him, not unto me. I did what God told me to do. So what am I telling you is, God told Moses, I want Joshua to lead these people. Now, if y'all want to come against God, go right ahead. See, that's our problem. When you come against me and what I'm doing, you're coming against God. When you come against anybody else that God is telling to do something, you're coming against God. You're not coming against them. So Moses was obedient unto God to do what God told him to do about Joshua. Now let's go to Exodus 3, and this is the first time that we see elders in the Bible. Exodus 3, 16 through 18. Exodus 3, 16 through 18. I'm reading the Amplified. This is what's being said. Go gather the elders of Israel together. Listen what the elders are. The mature teachers and tribal leaders. And say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have declared that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Persites, Habitites, Jebusites, to a land flowing with milk and honey, all them ice, Jesus. And the elders shall believe and obey your voice, and you shall go, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, have met with us, and now let us go, we beseech you, three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. This is God talking to Moses. So it's God and it's Moses. Moses is the deliverer, but God said, go gather the elders of Israel together. So those elders back then that was in Israel, they were the mature teachers and tribal leaders. They were older people. So they were put over these tribes. They were the ones that was there. So God said, I want you to go to the elders. Did he tell Moses to go to the people first? Who did he say go to? Who did he say go to? He said, go speak to the elders. Moses could have went out in all the open and say, listen here, Israelites. This is what God said, but he didn't do that. 
he went to the elders just like God told him to do, right? So back then there were elders and these elders was tribal leaders. And even over there in Egypt, they had people that was the elders, which was over the Israelites. So when Pharaoh and them would come to the elders, the elders would go to the people. Wow. That's where elders derived from. They were mature teachers and tribal leaders. Now let's look at Exodus 18. Y'all familiar with this one? This is Jephro. This is sort of long, but I'm going to read it. Exodus 18, 12 through 26. Exodus 18. I'm in the Amplified again. Ooh, it's long. Let's see what Jephro is saying. Verse 12, and Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifice to offer it to God. And Aaron came with all the elders. Do y'all hear this? And Aaron came. Who was Aaron? He was the priest. He came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Okay, I see here, I see Jephro, the father-in-law is there. He had a burnt offering and sacrifice to offer to God. But then Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread. Where was the rest of the people? (laughs) So this looked like it was set up like leadership, wasn't it? The next day, Moses set to judge the people and the people stood around Moses from morning to evening. My God. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you do for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning to evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me. Thank you, Jesus, for Jesus. Hallelujah, (laughs) Father God in heaven. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I judge between man and his neighbor, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Thank you, Jesus. Are we doing that now? Y'all getting to know what the word is saying, right? Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you are doing is not good, not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and this people with you. For the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to perform it all by yourself. Verse 19. Listen now to me. I will counsel you and God will be with you. You shall represent the people before God, bringing their cases and causes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws, showing them the way they must walk and the work they must do. Let me stop there. What are y'all getting taught in here? How things supposed to be. I'm teaching you these things, right? See, the Bible's still saying what it's saying in the old and in the new. Moreover, you shall choose able men from all the people, God-fearing men of truth who hate unjust gain, and place them over thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens to be their rulers, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they shall judge. So it will be easier for you. And they will bear the burden with you. If you will do this and God so commands you, you will be able to endure. And all these people also will go to their tents in peace. Praise you, Jesus. So Moses, listen, do we have peace up in here? Do y'all go home in peace? (laughs) So Moses listened to and heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men. Who chose those men? But how did he choose those men? By what God told him to do, didn't he? But what did Moses first, he had to teach these able men. He had to give them the ordinance, the laws. They had to follow all of these things, right? 
And he chose them out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And they judged the people at all times, the hard cases they brought to Moses, but the small matters they decided themselves. So do you see that back then it was set up where it was Moses and it was the ones that was under Moses. So we're going to see when we get into the New Testament how things supposed to be as well. So we see that he got the men that they had to have certain what qualifications. You just don't put anybody in position because they can say God is love. Oh, you don't put anybody in position because they're giving everybody everything in the church. But yet they don't know what the word says. See, some people put people in a position based upon what they do and how they do it. That's not how that works. Because everybody that you think is good ain't good. So let's look in the New Testament. I was just showing you in the Old Testament, dealing with the elders and where they started from. Now, the Old Testament, persons who formed the traditions which nullified the word of God. Um, let, me go, let me go in here first. New Testament. Let's look at Matthew 15, verse 2. Okay, Matthew 15, verse 2. This is starting off with the elders. Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. So here go the elders again. So the elders were, um, you know, going to the people. And this originated from the Old Testament. Because remember, Jesus, he was um, coming to fulfill the law. So they were still up under the law, but Jesus was going to fulfill what they couldn't fulfill. So they still had elders that was over the people in Matthew chapter 15. It was still elders there. Let's look at Matthew 21 and 23, chapter 21, verse 23. I'm just giving you a little rundown, so when I get into um, what we should be doing now, you're going to understand. Matthew 21, verse 23. Jesus went to the temple courts, and while he was teaching there, the leading chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. They said, what authority do you have to do these things? Who gave you this authority? So see, the chief priests and the elders was used to running things the way they wanted to run things. But Jesus come in there, and when Jesus began to do what he did, they're like, who gave you this authority? We're in charge here. Who told you you got a right to come up in here with what you're teaching? They were not used to what Jesus was bringing. They were only used to their way of, of doing things, and they were saying, you coming in here and you upsetting these people. This is not the way we do things. This is where we get this part. The traditions of men make the word of God in effect. Because see, those elders, those older um, men, they bought some stuff that they want to bring forth outside of the laws of God. And they added to those laws and they was putting burdens on the people that they themselves couldn't keep to. So this is what's happening in today's world. They're going back to the old and they're trying to line things up a certain way. But it's not the way that God intended for it to be, okay? So we see that the elders were still in the New Testament because the law was still there. Jesus said, I did not come to do away with the law. I, I came to fulfill the law. So the elders were still over the people. Let me give you another one. Acts chapter 4 verse 5. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met, assembled in Jerusalem. So we see elders here too, right? These are older men. 
These are older men, and, and they were coming together, and they were assembling at Jerusalem. I'm just showing you the elders so everybody understand that they were in the old, and even when Jesus' day was, they were still there. They were still recognized as elders. And here goes the last one under that one, Acts 6, verse 12. Acts 6, verse 12. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. So when I look at Acts chapter 6, I'm going to go there to say this. Do you remember when the apostles, remember the apostles laid the foundation. We talked about them laying the foundation of Jesus Christ. As they laid the foundation, um, what Jesus told them to lay concerning him, we know 3,000 souls they came to what? To Christ. But then when we get into Acts chapter, was it four or five? It was 5,000 souls. Let me look. Look at the, the number of the disciples growing, y'all. And even in the midst of all that, it was still some elders there. There was still some older um, men and older um, women that was a part of them, which was considered to be elders. I believe it was in chapter 4, Acts chapter 4. So we see 3,000 souls in Acts chapter 2. You go to Acts chapter 4, it was up to 5,000 souls. The apostles was laying the foundations. People um, was accepting um, Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. They were being taught um, the, um, about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were learners. They were followers of him. When you get to Acts chapter 6, where I stopped at last time, we see that there was a problem. It was a problem because the widows was being neglected in the daily ministration. The apostles, when they um, came to the apostles, the apostles said that we shouldn't leave prayer and leave the word. So what I want you to do is look among you. They knew who was among them. They knew who had been taught the word of God, disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. And I want you to choose seven men, but there was some qualification for these men. Because the apostles said, we shouldn't have to leave the word and leave prayer for us to serve tables. So this is where you get the deacons at. Where the deacons, um, you know, they serve, they help to uphold my hands, my husband's hands. They do the daily um, ministration of the ministry. They call people when they're, we're going to get in all of that, where all this originate from. So the deacons have a job to do. But even in this, when I was reading um, the six, let me go back. Where was I? Six twelve. It says... The reason why we got 612 and they were stirred up is because they, they, Stephen, Stephen began to preach. You know, they chose Stephen out of those seven too. He began to preach. He had, he was preaching with, uh, what was it? They said power, did great wonders and miracles amongst the people. Remember I said that when you preach the good news, the gospel, people going to hate you. They hated Stephen to the point they stirred up the elders. You got people that say that they know Jesus, that are elders, that are pastors, you come in their church and you begin to preach the truth, you stir them up. They're kicking you out of the church. I've been kicked out, y'all, I should know. So anytime you're going to teach truth and somebody invites you into their congregation, they have to invite you now. You just can't go up in there. They have to invite you to come in there and teach. And like I told y'all, I went to this one church and the Lord is so funny. I said, Lord, I don't have a word for this church. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say to these people. And the Lord gave me how he sent them out in Matthew 10. 
and how he told me, he said, before you even begin, shake the dust off of you in front of all of them. I'm like, huh? I haven't even started teaching yet. He said, do it. So I did it. Did what the Lord told me. He said, because they're not going to receive you. I'm like, okay, God. So after I got through ministering to the people, people were laid out on the floor. People receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The whole church was stirred up. So I'm like, God, you said the people wouldn't receive me. Then we went in the kitchen. You remember Evangelist? Went in the kitchen. We sitting there eating. They come to my table. They say, look, we need for you to come back and do um, the youth. We having this thing for the youth. Can you be our speaker? I said, okay. I don't mind being your speaker. So I'm like, well, God, you said these people wouldn't receive me. Now they want me to come back. Next thing I know, somebody say a day later. They had a meeting on me. And they called me a day later and said, well, we, we don't believe that we would um, need for you to come. What you're teaching is too much for us. So that's what God told me. Shake the dust and go on. It was several years later when um, the restaurant in Wallace, what, what you call it? It's a church there now. Anyway, that restaurant, we was there eating one Sunday, Western Sizzler. And I'm up to the buffet getting my food. This lady stopped me. She said, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I'm saying, huh? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I wasn't the one that kicked you out. I wasn't the one. I wasn't the one that was talking about you. I said, what are you talking about? She said, you came to our church. And I I said, okay. I said, it's no problem. See, God will let you know when you teach truth and you standing on the way things supposed to be according to the word, people are not going to like you, even the ones that supposed to be your brothers. And your sisters, because the tradition of men make the word of God in none effect. These was pastors. These was elders. These were shepherds saying she can't come back up in here. I believe the deacons was in on it too. They had a vote. She can't come back up in here. She's stirring up our people and she's going to turn them away from us and turn them to her. This happens in the real world, y'all. This happens. So this is why I'm saying with Stephen... When they selected the seven and Stephen began to preach, guess what? It stirred up those elders because what they were saying, he was saying was like, that ain't what we teach. That's not um, what we do. So they got stirred up. So there were still elders then that come from, oh, the forefathers, whatever. They were still there. They were elders. So they were still over the people. So if you over some people and you teaching them one thing and somebody come back in there with this death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of God and they seeing all these miracles, what you think they're going to do? They're going to throw you out of there. They killed him. They killed Stephen because he was presenting truth. You don't think that family, friends, colleagues, When you start presenting truth, they love you now. But when you start telling them truth, telling them what the word of God is saying, how many friends you think you're going to keep? They don't want to hear that. They don't want to be around you. They want you to think that you got a problem. You too holy. You gone crazy. I don't understand why you acting foolish like that. That's just crazy. I ain't never heard of such. And they save. This is the world that we're living in, y'all. People do not know the difference. They don't know the difference. So I'm I'm trying to show you there were elders before Paul and them set them up in the church. And we're going to talk about that. These were the elders dealing with the law. These were those elders. So let's look at something else. And I'm going to talk about this time 
John 8, verse 9. I'm going back here. Those who heard Jesus began to leave one by one. First, the older men, the elders. That's what you call elders back then. They were the older men, the ones that was way back when. And then the others. Jesus was left there alone with the women standing before him. So here go elders in John 8, verse 9. Now, these elders, supposed to know God, right? And Jesus, they foretold of Jesus coming, right? The Messiah. So it ain't like they didn't know that Jesus was coming, but they were not accepting his doctrine. So guess what they did? They left. These are the elders. And these elders is um, advanced in life, an elder, whether an older man or older woman, and called seniors. That's what the elder is used for in this scripture. The other elders that I gave you, they were part of the sect. The Sanhedrins, where they have the priests, they have the elders, and they have all them. They were part of that, but they were still older, older men. Last scripture, Acts 2.17. And it came to pass in the last day, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. These are the elders. That's what you consider an elder is an old man or old woman. So when we look at elder, what I have shown you with the elders, with the scriptures I have went over, there are older men, older women that they look to because they have wisdom concerning things like Moses. He set them over um, the people because they've been there a long time. So they knew who they could set up over the people. I'll say this. Y'all know sometime my daddy would say, he said, some things that I may see, you may not see because I done been down that road, right? So he's talking about being an elder. Like he put Miss Mary out there, tried to put her out there with him. Miss Mary said, I already know how old I am. Why are you telling everybody? Excuse my daddy, Miss Mary. That's just skeet. She's telling me, I know. See, she know how he is. She don't get offended. But he's letting um, us know he's my dad. So some things he might have wisdom in that because he's older. I don't been down that road. You don't have to do that. So you may go to older people and say, you know, I'm having an issue here in finances. So you go into them to seek their wisdom. What did you do when you went down this road? You know how you go to your mom and dad, you're going to buy a house. So you go into somebody that's already done bought a house. They done went down that road. So these were the older men and women that we look up to. That's why we respect elder, elderly. We respect them. And we don't want to lose respect for them. So these were the forefathers way back then that the scriptures that I gave you is still leading up to them. But we're going to get into the word of God to show you how the church set up the pastor, the bishop, the overseer, the shepherd. What is it called? The presbytery? What you call it? Presbytery. Presbytery. They called them that too. So I'm going to let you all those names if you want to call somebody an overseer, it's still pastor. If you want to call somebody a pastor, they're a bishop. If you want to call somebody a bishop, they're an overseer. The word is used interchangeably. And the church have messed it up so bad because they want people to recognize them by title. God did not put them titles out there for people to exalt themselves. God put those titles out there so there will be order in the church to know you. So we'll know how the body of Christ function as one body. 
That's all. So if somebody called me Amanda, I'm not going to look at them and say, what you say? That's my name. I'm Amanda Walker Bryant, pastor of. And I'm apostle, one that's sent by God. But I'm not going to make a big issue out of it. People make a big issue because you don't call them Reverend Dr. Dulu, whatever it is. They got to have all them titles in front of their name. By the time you get through with them titles, you, you sitting up there and sitting there, wait a minute, what did I want to ask you? I'm still stuck on what you said. <laughs> so we're going to go over all of that so all of us can be in alignment to know where all of this stuff started. So everybody will be on one accord. Amen. And this teaching that you're getting is not for you to go up to somebody and say, listen here. You don't reverend nobody. <laughs> the only father we have is the father in heaven. You don't call nobody. We're not here to debate. We're just here to get an understanding of what the word of God is saying. Amen. And how we're supposed to be doing things according to the word. If somebody prefer to be called bishop, hello bishop. That's what they prefer. But I want people to understand, bishop, you still a pastor. You still an overseer. You're not going to make yourself be above God. That's what we're talking about tonight. We're not going to make these titles be above God because Jesus is the head, right? He's the chief. He's the chief bishop. He's the chief. And I'm going to let y'all know about the chief stuff too. Chief. It's in the word of God. But the chief is where you um showing who's first. When I'm saying who's the head in the church. That's why they call him chief. And that's why they call him presiding bishop and presiding elder. And they, they call some women something in church. What you call them women? Nope. It's another name. Mother of the church. And it's another name they call them too. But this is what they come up with. Not what God intended for it to be. Right? But they come up with it because they want these mothers to be respected. Letting young folks know you can go to these mothers of the church. So if they do that, don't make that part of the word of God. Just say this is how we respect the mothers in here by calling them the mothers of the church. Amen. Some of them don't want to be called no mother of the church because they don't want people to say they're old. Right? Okay, so that's all I got so far, but we got a long road to travel. So I hope everybody understood everything that was being said. And this is going to help everybody to understand God's way of doing things so it won't be no isms and schisms in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. And we will continue next week. Dealing with the elders because we're not through yet. Amen. Do we have any announcements? And my husband just put him put out there.